Okay, we're gonna be rocking today over some of the stuff for the CCFP exam. And of course, as always, we have to begin by the wonderful world of critical care. So you're working in the rural metropolis, the one most wonderful place in the world, Sioux Lookout, Ontario. What's that place again? Sioux Lookout. There you go. You're working in the wonderful place called Sioux Lookout, Ontario, and someone comes inside, and they just bring this dude off the street, and he's just, you know, not responding. Right. What first three letters are you going to think about, guys? You're going to think about your? ABC. Excellent, right? So A stands for? Airways. Airways are going to be either open or? Close. Open or? Close. Open or? Close. Excellent. All right, so his airway is open. Does that make sense? You've assessed that, right? Now let's backtrack for a moment. Suppose if he was making like a snorry sort of sound. Suppose if he was going like this. What would you assume his airway is? Close. Excellent. Now you're saying, Mike, come on, brother. You're telling me, you're really honestly joking me that you're going to ask me something like this on the family medicine exam. And is this a possibility that he could ask? And the answer is? Yeah. Exactly, right? It's definitely a possibility for the family medicine examination because part of the family medicine examination is going to include part of LMCC cases and they could easily ask certain elements that's on a SAMP. This is all fair game, folks. Folk. <laughs> all right, all right. So, okay, fine. So if he's making that noise, you're going to think, you know what? His airway is obstructed. What would I do next? Or at, the, at, at that particular case, what would I do next? I would put down, I could do what kind of maneuver? Excellent. So chin lift, jaw thrust. Exactly. And I could eventually put down an oral. Excellent. All right. But this guy's not making that noise. His airway seems to be patent. Our next letter, we're going to move from A to? Breathing. Breathing, right? Simplest breathing question is yes or? No. Yes or? No. Yes or? No. Excellent. All right. If he's breathing, I can move on to? Excellent. What's my simplest circulation question? It's either pulse. Yes or? No. Yes or? No. Yes or? No. Excellent. All right. So he has a pulse. Thank God. All right. What would that look like on the exam, folks? It would look like you'd walk into the room. Hello. My name is so-and-so. You probably have a nurse or some sort of helper that, 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 that's there. You still introduce yourself. You wash your hands. Does that make sense? And you stand to the patient's right. Does that make sense? All right. Now, with this patient, this patient is critically ill. You want to make sure that you verbalize those ABCs. I'm looking at this patient. I'm assessing their airway. Their airway is patent. I can tell that they're breathing and they have a pulse. Boom! You've done your ABCs, folks. There's four easy marks. Mm -hmm. Plus, you slap on the fact that you just introduced yourself. You slap on the fact that you've uh, uh, um, uh, um, stood to the right and you've washed your hands. You're looking at seven, eight marks, folks, and you haven't even gotten started yet. Pretty cool? Pretty cool. Excellent. Now, remember those four other letters we talked about? O-M-I-P. What are those four letters again? Omen. Excellent. All right. O stands for? Excellent. You want to give this critically unstable patients to give them some oxygen, right? And how are we going to give that oxygen? We're going to give it via? 100% non-rebreather mask. Excellent. So you're going to say, can we please put the 100% non-rebreather mask on? Can we put it the patient and set it to flush? Excellent, right? M stands for? Monitor. Monitor, right? you got to have this patient on some monitoring equipment, right? So give me a monitor. Excellent. You want to make sure that blood pressure cuff is going. Is it just good to get one blood pressure? No. You want to make sure that it's cycling. Excellent. So you're doing that blood pressure again and again and again and again. You're cycling as fast as you can. Eyes. Um, what else is going to be part of my monitor? Cardiac. Right? cardiac monitor, right? So you're going to ask the nurse to put on the cardiac monitor. You're going to start putting on the cardiac monitor. What else are we going to do? For Excellent. Excellent. There's another type of monitor we can do. Sat Excellent. We can make the sac probe, make sure we're getting a nice continuous sat, and make sure it's congruent with what we're actually seeing on the actual cardiac monitor itself. Are we awesome? We're awesome. There we go. Excellent. I stands for I. Excellent. All right. See, the only thing better than one IV is? Excellent. Right? You've got to make sure you establish early IV access or get somebody working on it. Let's say, folks, you can't get IV access. What can I give? How can I give things? I can give things via I? Oh. Excellent. Remember that. 
And P stands for you always make sure that you keep your hand on the pulse, right? Because the minute you don't feel your pulse, what is one neuron going to say to the other neuron? Start. There you go. It's a pros. Excellent. You know how many marks you've gotten just for doing that? You know how many marks you've gotten just for walking to the room and, and doing those little steps and setting up that patient so that you can maximally respond to that critical event? You've gotten tons of marks, folks. Tons of marks. It's all the simple stuff. That's what we forget to do. And in critical care, that's the problem. It's forgetting the setup. It's forgetting the simple thing. It's trying to overthink the case and kind of ask myself, what is causing this problem? Instead of just remembering, man, this person came in with what looks to be out-to-lunch-itis. Does that make sense? <laughs> I need to do something to kind of help correct this. Does that kind of jive? Mm-hmm. All right. So we talk about the ABCs. What do I always say? D-E-F-G. What does D-E-F-G stand for? Don't ever forget. Excellent. Now, one of the things that we need is that this guy is not responding. He was just brought inside. We've gotten all these marks already. We need to do a, an assessment to kind of see this guy is not responding. How are we going to assess this patient? Okay, your vital signs are coming back. His blood pressure is 146 over 70. His heart rate is, uh, is uh, 82. His sats are 100% of 100% normal breathing. Right? And now you're kind of asking yourself, what do I do now? Now what? Now you're going to be asking yourself, what do I do? You're going to say, now what? Does that make sense? Remember the ACEs core stuff here? So you need an approach for when somebody, you need an approach for when somebody is out to lunch. Does that kind of jive? I'm out to lunch. (laughs) Aaron's out to lunch, right? (laughs) So you need an approach for when somebody's out to lunch. We talked a little bit about this during the the ACEs course. Remember, you need to divide people into three different categories, right? So the first category is next stiffness. What did I say, guys? Next stiffness. Excellent, right? The next category is focal findings. What did I say? Focal findings. And the next category is neither. What did I say? Neither. Excellent. So three groups that you can organize people who come inside the school without to lunch. One group has neck stiffness. The other group has focal findings. The other group has neither. Now keep in mind, guys, this doesn't include trauma patients. You know what? If a guy who's been in a car accident comes inside in this position, you kind of have an idea why he's like this. Does that kind of jive? We're crystal clear with that? All right. So let's say this patient, as I'm assessing them, right, so I did my ABCs, I did my OMIP, I'm doing that, what am I doing? Okay, I have to assess, is there any neck stiffness? Does that make sense? If you find neck stiffness, what kind of diagnoses are you going to think about, folks? Meningitis. Meningitis. What else? Subarachnoid hemorrhage. Does that make sense? Good stuff, right? Sorry? Could be, could be. Malingering. No, (laughs) The malingering, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. What happens? So so if you know, if you see that, it's going to get your mind to think in one direction. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm about the possibility of what, uh, of what that could be, right? And, okay, so if you're, if you're kind of saying, what, how are we going to diagnose this stuff? How are we going to diagnose this stuff? Like meningitis or subarachnoid, that type of thing. Yeah, um, so blood work, we might have to do a CT scan. We might have to do a lumbar puncture. Remember new things that came out? Put this in the vault, folks. And we make the vault sign. Exactly, right? What was in the vault this year that my man, Dr. Jeff Perry, did at the University of Ottawa for subarachnoids? That you people who plan to do that third year in Emerge and want to impress them during the interview. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. What is it about that just came out, right? Well, a couple, a couple years ago, there was a nice little article that came out that's saying, you know what? If a person has the worst headache of their life, so that's a headache that would, would reaches it, its nadir within an hour, that if you catch it within six hours, a, um, a CT scan, a sec- the, the, the most current generation of CT scan, 
scan, if it shows nothing, then they probably don't have a subarachnoid. Does that make sense? So we've known that for about the past couple of years. Really, he's come up, he came up with these some subarachnoid rules. I think it was published in BMJ, I believe. I'm going to need to check the reference on that. But really, really cool things that if you have patients and they have the worst headache of their life and they don't have any of whatever these clinical rules are, right? You guys can read the article to actually get what they is. Mm -hmm. Guess what? You don't need to do a CT. Good. Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't say you don't need to do a CT. They're not having a subarachnoid. Does that make sense? Right. Does that kind of jive? Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. That came out this past year. What do you say? Hmm. If I was writing an exam, like, that's pretty big. Does that make sense? Pretty cool, guys? Mm -hmm. All right. So, again, we're just going to keep those little things in the vault. You know what I mean? Let's just keep those little things in the vault. Does that kind of jive? So everybody remember, Jeff Perry, subarachnoid rules, look at it, recently validated, just a whole bunch of clinical features. Does that kind of jive? If you don't have anything just like, you know, he's from Ottawa, Ottawa's a fan of knee rules and ankle rules and CT head rules and C-spine rules, now we have subarachnoid rules. Pretty useful. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. There we go. All right. Okay, so no, we, we know what we're going to do if a patient has neck stiffness, what kind of di uh, diagnosis. What happens if the patient has focal findings? Give me some things that you might be thinking of. Hmm. Patient's only moving one hand. Stroke. Exactly, right? Stroke. What else? Maybe a mass. mass. Remember, there's stroke. Remember, we talked about in our last and a couple study groups ago and stuff. There's ischemic stroke, but there's also hemorrhagic strokes, right? So maybe it's, it's so we're thinking mass, maybe stroke, bleed, that type of thing. Is that crystal clear? Mm -hmm. Excellent. So, you're gonna, so what kind of testing would you be worried about then? Probably have to do some brain imaging, right? Probably a CT scan of the brain, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're asking yourself this, folks. Okay, so you have the group. What's the first group? It's the group with neck? Stiffness. The, neck, the other group is the group with focal? Finding. And the third group is the group with? Neither. Either neck stiffness or focal finding. Which one do you think is the most common group, just based on your clinical experience so, so far? Which one do you think is most common? Neither. Exactly. The neither group is the super most common one. Does that make sense that we see most of the time? Like, think about it. Hi, can you please come upstairs and assess Mrs. X up on the seventh floor, not on your service, because she has a decreased LOC. She's confused. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you're like, okay, she doesn't have any neck stiffness. She doesn't really have any focal findings. She's in the neither category. Does that make sense? That's how you remember it. Little rhyme for you so you can remember what, because neither category is the most common category, right? And you want to make sure that you don't forget anything major. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. So remember shims. What do I say, guys? Shims. So S stands for sepsis, shock. Does that make sense? So if you're in shock, very common, 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 common type of shock is sepsis. Does that make sense? Uh -huh. Right? Right? You can you do right with decreased LOC. Yeah. Right? H, right? Hypoxia, hypercapnia. So hypoxia or hypercapnia. If you have a respiratory acidosis, your PCO2 is going to go way up. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And what that's going to do is that's going to make you get a little loopy. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I. Yeah, so, yeah, infection, right? Yeah, infarction can do it. Ingestion, intoxication. Does that make sense? So maybe they took something. Maybe they ingested something. Maybe they have, they're not shocky, but maybe they have a, a UTI. Does that make sense? Right? M, first M, metabolic. Common metabolic stuff. So think about it. What's that gland we have in our neck again, V? Thyroid. That can go high or low. It can make you loop. Exactly. Yeah? <laughs> High or low can make you go loopy. Does that make sense? What's those glands on top of our kidneys again? 
Adrenals. Adrenals. They call them, I think, super renal glands across the pond and stuff. There you go. I think so. That's what they call it. Like we call it, they call it. We call it epinephrine. I think they call it adrenaline. Yeah. Adrenaline from the super renal glands. A little bit across the pond for us. There you go. 